We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in to another episode of BuzzBeat. This is Brian here. I'll be joined by Lee, Richie Randall, producing. Then we're doing a little quick post-game recap of uh, the Hornets' second game of the season, which was a loss at the hands of Eastern Conference foe, the Detroit Pistons, 111 Detroit to 99 for the Charlotte Hornets. This was not a great game, a very physical game, and uh, really tough sledding for the Hornets um, in terms of half-court offense or really just offense in general. Lots of fouls, lots of guys in foul trouble. But before we sort of uh, unpack and, and debrief this game, uh, Lee, how's it going, man? How are you doing? Whew, I'm good, BG. It's good to be back on a... Uh... You know, real season post game pod. Hopefully, we'll be bringing these more times than not this season. But, uh, but yeah, man, frustrating, frustrating game to watch. It was one of those games where I felt like every like minute or so, I was like pulling my hair out or rolling my <laughs> eyes or like yeah. sighing. You know, like it was just a you know they obviously Hornets got in a hole early and were just clawing, 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 clawing all night got as close as I think four and, you know, Rozier had an open three to try to cut it to one at one point. Uh, There were just so many plays where it seemed like the ball bounced correctly for Detroit or Charlotte missed a, you know, missed a easy one. And then Detroit, you know, four point swings here and there. And man, it was just like a, just wanted to, literally like gouge my eyeballs out multiple times <laughs> yeah as uh, as regular said in the chat here uh we appreciate appreciate anyone who's joining in live but uh yeah i felt like he had bruises from watching that basketball <laughs> game um it ended early for pj washington uh he was ejected with a flagrant two foul on isaiah stewart with about 30 seconds or so left in that game uh, if you were watching that contest you could see that brewing the entire game Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, the Detroit starting front court. They're a very physical and athletic front court duo for the Pistons. Um, they got Charlotte's centers, Mark Williams, Nick Richards, in foul trouble. Richards played just 16 minutes tonight. Mark Williams under 21 minutes. So we saw a decent amount of you know either JT Thor or PJ Washington at the five, which 
something Steve Clifford does not like to do for extended stretches, especially uh, especially against like a you know a front court with as much sort of like uh, muscle as uh, as the Pistons have, and certainly while Marvin Bagley um, doesn't quite have the same bulk as those two guys, his length, his sort of craftiness. You know, he he got at least a couple of fouls on Mark on Mark Williams in the first half by just going into him. He got, I think, another one on on Richards in the second half. Yeah, he well. was a, he was a thorn all night. Honestly, yeah, man. I mean, he's little floater push shots and yep. his like navigation in the lane around the rim. He's just a he's a wily guy, which is yeah. funny to think that Marvin Bagley has become this like <laughs> yeah. wily veteran. You know. It happened. It happened quickly. You know. It, it'll. That, but it does seem like maybe he's sort of morphing into into that role. He's always been a, an, an incredible offensive rebounder and a very yeah. quick, quick like second leaper. And so yeah, if he's got a little bit of like face up, you know, inside a fifteen foot craft, um, yeah, that, that that could make him kind of a useful piece. Just right from the jump, this was my first time. I think at some point in preseason, I wanted to catch some of the Pistons and really. Did not see much of any of them prior to this game. I did watch a bunch of Cade Cunningham's possessions from uh, their season opening loss to Miami when they almost came back on the road. And I thought he, I I mean, he put up big numbers in the first game of the season. I thought kind of going back and watching him's performance, it was like pretty good, not like earth shattering. Um, Cunningham tonight, 12 points on, on 14 shot attempts. But I thought he looks, the- he looks healthy, though, right? Like, I think that for, if you're yeah. a Detroit yeah. fan, that's the main takeaway is like, you know, obviously he's never been ex- super explosive, but like he he looks like he's moving, you know, un- unhindered, unhindered. Yeah, right. And he's still he's still making plays on the pick and roll. He's still hitting like relocation threes. Um, you know, he's showing, I think, some good pace and deceleration when he gets into those little middle live ball pockets of space uh, working the in the pick and roll. So uh, I thought uh, Cunningham and Jalen Duran uh, showed maybe not a lot, but showed some good flashes of chemistry in the pick and roll tonight. Mm-hmm. And I would just say the, the point I was going to I was trying to get to with, with the Pistons, though, is I've not seen much of them. So I really hadn't seen, you know, what Monty Williams has been installing with for them offensively. That was sort of what I had my was going to have my eye mostly on. Um, there's a lot of like awesome, you know, talented young players on this roster that I that I really really like. But the thing that sort of just like jumped off the screen watching this tonight, Lee. I, I don't know if 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 it was just me sort of seeing this, or also uh, certainly Eric and Dell commented it on on the broadcast. But their perimeter defenders, Kate Cunningham, Asar Thompson, uh, Jaden Ivey when he got in the game, Killian Hayes. The, the four young guys especially, like very physical, not letting guys uh, come off screens cleanly, whether it was on ball or off the ball. Very physical, sort of like in-face defense, clutching, grabbing. There was one point where Jaden Ivey just literally uh, elbow shift LaMelo in the midsection yeah. when LaMelo yeah. was trying to, to drive. Rather, rather than kind of let him scoot by him, he just decided to knock him on the ground. And like, you, I think you were mentioning this off the air. It was frustrating that the refs never tried to kind of rein in some of their perimeter uh, physicality. But at the same time, if the refs are not going to rein that in, you can't blame Detroit for, you know, pushing the envelope on it. Like they're just doing what's being allowed. And, and I think that is, um, and I agree, like I didn't get to see Detroit much at all in the preseason either. I think it's a credit to kind of like the, the um, you know, the the system or culture, whatever you want to call it, that Monty Williams is trying to put in place in his first year there and like going from coaching a, you know, veteran laden uh, contender 
to, uh, you know, maybe the one of, if not the youngest team in the NBA. So, you know, Ivy did a really nice job on the ball at times against LaMelo. Um, we can get to LaMelo at some point, of course. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, D- Detroit seems to at least, you know, fancy that they have some sort of identity as this kind of like two traditional big bruising offensive rebounding physical defensive team. Um, so give them credit early in the season for, you know, trying to kind of stake a claim as who they are, even if, yeah. you know, it's not going to necessarily lead to a ton of wins. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think there's something here like long-term for them. I, I do believe that. I, I believe in Kate Cunningham. I really like Asar Thompson. I know Ivy's coming off the bench to start the season as Detroit still kind of is maybe figuring out what it has with Killian Hayes um, in this in in you know his development and his role. I thought Ivy's, I thought like the on ball defense um, was pretty good. And also, just like you could see his explosion as a driver on multiple times. He had a, he had a transition finish um, in, the, in the second half, too, where he sort of like squeezed in between two guys on the break. Just, I don't know, like his burst, the flexibility, whatever, all the, st- all the goods he has as a downhill driver to like get into tough spaces, tight spaces. Um, very, very impressive. Like I continue to be pretty bullish on Jaden Ivy, um, long-term and I'm willing to bet on his speed, but yeah, why don't we start here and start with, um, with LaMelo ball, uh, it's a tough game for him. Tough start to the season. Really? It's been a tough start to the season. He had 20 points tonight, but on 23 true field goal attempts, two of 10 on, from the land of twos and two of seven on threes. So four of 17 overall from the field, a couple sort of like, I think maybe slightly more encouraging numbers, 12 of 10 from the free throw line. And again, you saw the, the, the amount of uh, like shots that he took at the rim in this game, eight field goal attempts at the rim. He only made two of them. 
thought maybe he could have gotten a couple of calls on a few of them as well. Thought he was also maybe a little out of, out of control on some of them for that matter as well. The average uh, two-point field goal shot distance for LaMelo in this game, 2.5 feet from the rim. So again, like, it, you know, if you saw, if you were only looking at some of these numbers and you saw the field goal attempts, you saw the rim attempts, you might feel like, kind of in, encouraged knowing that he was driving and going at, you know, what is young, but a pretty like wide and imposing front line with, with Duran and, and Stewart. But obviously like the efficiency wasn't there and Charlotte played also played some of its best basketball, you know, there wasn't much to choose from, but you know, when he, when he was sort of sitting in, in Rozier scored eight points in the span of 90 seconds, um, Detroit calls a timeout. Brandon Miller gets subbed out. Lamelo goes in, and you know, you know whatever sort of like run the Hornets had um, goes away. I thought there were a couple of tough whistles for the Hornets down the stretch that didn't help matters either. But um, Lee, just sort of thoughts on Lamelo tonight, yeah. and, and maybe to start the season. I don't know. Like, wh- where are you with him as far as the first? It's just it's just two games. Yeah, I but, mean, but what, I- how have you felt? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not. I don't think I have any like massive like macro concerns about Lamelo. You know, other than some of the things we've talked about a ton of different times in this podcast of where he still needs to improve as a young player. I will say though, like a couple small things. Oh well, first of all, the caveat of, and I think Eric Collins made this point on the broadcast is, you know, Lamelo had a very like rehab intensive summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a, uh, you know, normal, like no holds bar train all off season summer for LaMelo. So I do think we need to let him get probably like 10 to 12 games into this season before we really, uh, start making any dramatic conclusions about where his development is. Um, but one thing love that he's like getting to the rim. I do think there are a lot of, and, and look, don't get me wrong. He, he did get a tough whistle tonight at times. And I know, um, I know some Hornets fans have, have mentioned that in our chat, and I certainly saw it on Twitter. Like, okay. I'm not here to say he didn't get a tough whistle at times, but LaMelo has to kind of default to being determined to finish through contact versus seeking a foul call. So, like, that's just like a little bit of a, I think – switch he needs to flip in his brain let the foul call be the gravy on top and just like absolutely be determined to finish layups regardless of you know the defense fouling you or not and then have it be an and one or you know and and he's still you know he's still um gaining that respect from referees so th- th- to get the call those calls around the rim um and it was a tough whistle for, for charlotte on the whole Tonight at times, I mean, you you mentioned all three bigs being in foul trouble all game. It was a rough Wilson tonight, but it's not the reason why they lost, at least in my opinion. I mean, the Hornets couldn't get stops when they needed to. They got in an early hole. LaMelo, uh, you know, was what? I mean, he was rough, four for 17 from the field that, that you yeah. laid out. So, yeah. And then the other thing with LaMelo is there were still, there were still a couple – you know, defensive breakdowns, you know, early help off a guy that sends the Hornets defense into rotations and and open three pointers from Alec Burks and a couple others. Um, a couple kind of like Matador blow bys at times. I remember one from Jaden Ivey on the left wing in the first half where he went in for a really athletic finish. So certainly room to nitpick LaMelo's early season performance so far, but 
you know, I'm I'm not going to make any sweeping declarations. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a tough start, and you made a good, you made the right point, which is that, and they Steve Clifford brought it up before the game, and Eric Collins mentioned it, and Dell Del talked about it during the broadcast. Um, Lamelo did not have a normal off season, rehabbing from ankle surgery, and. So he needs a little bit more time to, I think, to sort of ramp up and let's see where we are by like mid to end of November. I thought he played played well at times in the preseason, but the first two games, it's been it has been rough. But he, you think he deserves, you know, a little bit more build up. It is a little disappointing to have not seen a little bit more growth with him as like a half court pick and roll guy. Just given like where he was as a rookie, I do think it's notable. I think it's worth mentioning that like where he was as a rookie was in a backcourt that had a bunch of ball handlers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, easy to forget about, no, not for us maybe, but for <laughs> maybe people outside of the people who, who follow and cover the Hornets or are fans, but like Malik Monk, Devonte Graham, um, it just, it's a, it's a much different um, like backcourt hierarchy and it has been for a few years now. So there's a lot more on his plate and, you know, we just don't know right now where his sort of um, floor quite isn't like the right word, but like in terms of like stability, where he is as like where his like baseline is as like a half court operator. The way this guy beat people before he got to the NBA, as someone that's not super duper quick or bursty, and and obviously like you know was even skinnier when he was. Uh, you know, showing up back in the states after spending a year playing in the the NBL was his flexibility uh-huh. and his deception, and right now that just that isn't enough. And I do think even his rookie year, it, it, he just flashed a little bit more stuff um, in terms of like his movement, his footwork synced with his handle as a, as a means to like getting guys, you know, rocking them off balance and then turning the corner on them. But right well, I, th- now- I think he's a he's a he's fallen in love with his dribble a little bit. Like he was mm-hmm. a, a, he was like a get it up the floor. I mean, r- how many times did he hit like rim runners? You know, early in early in his yeah, yeah. tenure, and you haven't seen that quite as much. I mean, he did he did have yeah. a great drop off to Mark Williams in traffic when when Williams uh, had an awesome yeah. kind of two handed slam finish, but. Yeah, I think just like and and to your point, he has more playmaking responsibility than he did early in his Charlotte career too. So yeah. I think yep. if they can get it out of his hands a little bit earlier, that would be productive. Yeah, you could always get it out of his hands and then get him back on ball. Like yeah. he he does move without it. Like he does relocate. Even the um he had a kick out to I think it was I think it was Brandon Miller on like a pick and pop, like design three where even after he he passed it to Miller, you could see him like immediately darting back across the lane and out above the break. Like he he does move without the ball, so I don't know. They could maybe be like a little bit more judicious about that. There's some stuff that they run to do that. I, I don't think it's super duper effective. Um, maybe they could look for it when they just kind of get into their flow a little bit more. But you know, right now it's just tough because you could see him try to turn the aggression up and try to get downhill tonight. Um, and if he gets a few more whistles, it, it changes the calculus. All of a sudden, you take away a couple of those missed shots. They turn into free throws. He's going to make those 80-whatever percent of the time. Like He's a great free throw shooter. So I like commend the aggression. 
and his ability to sort of like play through contact. But to your point a second ago, Lee, like it did kind of feel like he was going in there like to try to get a whistle, which doesn't have to be like inherently bad, but it, it's not like you're expecting him to just like constantly finish over the top of guys like Durant right. and Stewart. And like, that's like, that's part of the, that's part of the issue too. When he sees drop coverage, that continues to be like a concern because while he at times will show the ability to like snake back, get a guy on his hip and then use that to try to like get downhill and if he does that, that can often, you know, buy the um, the five man a little bit more time to try to like get downhill and attack the drop coverage. That way, he can get to like pull up. But often, you're seeing like a, just a lot of like pull up threes mm-hmm. um, as teams are ducking under those as as like opponent opponents are ducking under those screens and letting him shoot. Or if the guy gets caught on the screen, he's still just often going to like the like you know, mid-range runners and floaters, which, like, that's always been a part of his game. Like, that's always been part of it. But I I don't know. I think the hope was always that that shot would become, like, uh, his off-speed pitch, you know? and wouldn't be the thing that his downhill drive game would, like, need to, like, consist of because that can't be the thing that, like, you're routinely beating uh, drop coverage with. So, look, for now, the the ball is going to continue to be in his hands a lot. And I just think it's big for for Charlotte for two things that we really didn't see tonight. Three things. One, they're going to need to handle pressure better than that, period. Uh Like, you just can't let uh, a roster of 21-year-olds just, like, get in your grill and, and, like, knock you off kilter like that. Secondly, Mark Williams, I think, being in foul trouble and not playing well, even when he was sort of, like, on the court, is an issue for them because, like, he's their biggest pressure point on the rim right now, Bart, like, Without a doubt, unquestionably, that's the case. So not having him, he only played 20 and a half minutes. Big difference maker. Um, And I think the other thing they need to do, and Spencer and I talked about this a little bit after the season opening win the other night, is that like Charlotte has to move it side to side first and then try to crack a seam and get downhill. Like I just don't think it can be, um, you know, that initial ball screen is just going to be the thing that like, answers the call for you. I'd like to see more empty side screens than we saw tonight. Like the, the LaMelo Mark Williams empty side pick and roll is good stuff. And like, I do think Atlanta did them somewhat of a favor the other night by playing up at the level so often in the pick and roll. And like, that just opens up some stuff for Charlotte, the role, you know, skip passes to the weak side when the low man gets, uh, you know, collapses in. Um, and it's going to be some of those more like drop looks that look a little bit more, Concerning. All right, Lee, anything else you'd like to add to on LaMelo or, or is there another direction you'd like to take this in? No, let's let's talk about Brandon Miller, baby. I mean, my goodness. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that as 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 his, you know, prospect profile was, which was which was very enticing and tantalizing. And we spent a lot of time talking about Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson and all the different, you know, fantastic prospects in this draft class for what he was coming out of Alabama and what we've seen so far, obviously just two games, incredibly limited sample size, but I'm not sure that he could have had a more promising start, honestly, on this team. I mean, from, from being like an integral piece of this rotation right away 
the shot making that you've seen, you know, Eric Collins made a good point that, you know, at, at the time, I don't know, you know, he took a few more in the second half, but at the time, you know, Brandon Miller was four for 10 from three, you know, about halfway through this game on the season. And two of those missed threes were like, you know, end of quarter heaves from three quarter court. So he was basically four for eight from three, you know, in his first, you know, whatever, 25, 30 minutes of NBA play. Um, and I think one thing that, and you mentioned this on the text thread, the, the Buzzbeat text thread, BG, like the kid is fearless. He's competitive. He's determined. Like he's got a little shit to him, like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, obviously, obviously he flashes the athleticism, um, you know, the, the transition, you know, absolute like thunder slam he had late in the game. Um, and, and even like some defensive flashes too, I think, I mean, he took Cade, uh, at times during this game, you know, so, so he fits really well, I think with LaMelo, um, he's making shots right now and man, just really just love like his, his, um, his kind of attitude that, that he plays with on the court. It's, it's a really good balance of competitiveness, but like under control competitiveness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, you know, it did feel like Stewart um, and Jalen Duran were trying to like lure him into something extra this game. And like, he definitely like wasn't backing down from them, but there were multiple times he just would sort of go like, catatonic almost you know and just like uh just sort of like stare you know kind of like stare by them uh while they were like kind of getting his in his face or like going chest to chest with him it was interesting um yeah i think they've asked him to do like not too much offensively uh to start the season like it's really been spencer and i talked about this after the opener like so far like they're giving him some there's some like uh there's some pick and roll looks Mm-hmm. That they'll give to him like real quick hitters with like you know like two almost like a you know two progression read like the center on the dive and then like a weak side kick out you know and if it's not there just like you know flip it back to Lamelo um, they've put Lamelo and Brandon Miller into pistol action again tonight I'd like to see even a little bit more of that like yeah. you can sync those guys together the the better like because you know long term if those guys are in Charlotte and you're building like a winner up around them. Um, you know, th- that remains to be seen, but that'll be a big, that'll like be a big part of it. Um, they're finding ways to get him coming off of like wide pin down action. Like all of that's like pretty good stuff. I don't think he's like feasted off of any of it yet. I think he's been kind of at his best offensively. Like when things have been scrambled, he had three finishes at the rim tonight. They were all assisted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were two of them were in transition. One was the, the lob from LaMelo. Um, after uh, Miller started the transition sequence by, like, getting a steal, then sprinting the floor, LaMelo lobs it to him. The next one was another, like, corner cut, and he scored three times cutting out of the right corner this season. Yeah. The rim this year, he scored two in the opener, one tonight, and then obviously um, after the Richards block, uh, which started another fast-break sequence, P.J. dribbles up, hits Miller, and then Miller dunks um, without Isaiah Stewart even trying to contest the shot at the rim. So, like playing hard without the basketball, running without the basketball, using defense to open up transition offense, that kind of like two-way sequency complementary basketball, all very, very good stuff. Um, so, yeah, very encouraged with what I've seen so far from him. Really, I think Summer League was like not great 
and that coming on the heels of a lot of um i'm not sure what the, like whether it's frustration or uncertainty around what the team should have done with the pick like I, look i remain steadfast in who i think they should have selected with that pick like long term i still like scoot henderson but uh, as the better prospect but like Miller has played great basketball so far. And like, I really think in preseason he played well, even though he didn't shoot that shoot it well, wasn't worried about it. And he's come out of the gate. And as you said, like in the role that they're asking him to play right now, I think is like playing very well in that role. The key will be to see like when they like the training wheels start to come off a little bit, like what does that look like? Is that just sort of like giving him the ball more and allowing him to create? I don't think it will be that, but maybe. Or is that more just more playing time and just stuff coming within the flow? Or is that more playing time and then Charlotte, Steve Clifford saying, all right, we got to find more ways to get the guy, this guy the ball. Mm-hmm. Like we need to have 15 calls tonight that are going to be set up to put Brandon in a position to either like shoot it off a handoff or a pin down or – if they're putting two on the ball, then let's let him use his size to, to make up, to make a play. But like that's exciting stuff to consider. And this is something that Darian from trust the buzz. He and I talked about the other week when he came on with us Miller. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this, just like his scalability. He's so malleable because he can shoot off movement because he moves without the ball. Um, and he can, you know, he can handle and make some passing reads and pick and roll. Like it, where he sort of like how good he is at that, I think is like sort of like up for debate at the moment. But yeah, how would you? Let's just say six weeks from now. Um, you know, it's the middle of December. Um, not quite the dog days of the season, but just you know, Miller at this point is probably maybe hitting like a, an early rookie wall or whatever. Um, how would you like to see his usage go if he's playing well, but you're trying to find like a larger role for him going forward? Yeah, I, it's interesting to think about. I mean, I do think that he is showing a little bit more kind of like off ball offensive intelligence than I may have gave him credit for um, in the draft process. Like, and he's also showing a little bit more kind of like overall Mm. basketball awareness too like for example hayward had it going in that third quarter right and Mm -hmm. brandon miller had the ball in the open floor in transition and recognized that hayward was trailing him and like you would see a lot of rookies just kind of like blinders on head Mm -hmm. down attack the rim right there and not that that would have necessarily been a terrible decision but brandon miller processed like in a millisecond Gordon Hayward's hot. He's trailing me. He's going to have a wide open three and just pitched it right back to him. And you could actually see from the reaction from Gordon that he was like super pumped that Brandon yeah. like noticed yeah. that. Yep. Yep. And yep. so that's like, that's like a really, it's like a small thing, but it's like a pretty good sign for a young player in the heat of a really competitive game to, to, to like process all of that in the open floor and transition and make the right decision like that. So I've just seen some little kind of nuggets from him that I am really encouraged on. I also think he's still like, and to back to your original question, like he's very much still, you can see him, the wheels almost spinning for him to be like, where do I fit in? Where do I pick my spots? Uh When can I be a little bit more aggressive? 
And he's got some off the dribble stuff. I mean, he particularly has like a pretty nice left to right crossover that he flashes from time to time. So I think he'll get more aggressive. I hope that, like you said, um, Clifford will start to scheme up a little bit more for him with the movement shooting in particular, because at his height, I mean, he doesn't need much space and he's got a beautiful release. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, and look, on the other hand, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a week where he shoots like one for 11 yeah. or one for yeah. 12. Like that is coming. It's Just, absolutely going to happen. Like, yeah. Be ready for that. Yeah. And it's okay. That, yeah. That's what happens with, you know, particularly with young shooters. So let's not judge him. Let, like, let's not judge him high or low too, too much on the shooting right now. Let's watch the off ball cutting. Let's watch the competitiveness. Let's watch the offensive and defensive instincts. And that'll be more telling even necessarily than the shooting numbers in his first year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's going to have – because he's pretty jumper dependent, he's going to have weeks yeah. like that. You know, totally. like it just – it is. And I mean, no one – even some of the best players in the world, like no one's even like immune to that. And like he's going to have – there are going to be some nights that don't look – where it doesn't look pretty. Um, but his ability to – you know, if he can start to knock some of those shots down consistently – it's going to just open up other stuff. Like that's all, that's the stuff that I think with him, I mean, maybe everyone has their preference, but I think the thing that I'm sort of like most excited to see at some point is like the movement playmaking. Mm -hmm. Like if he does become a guy that starts to like create a little bit of gravity coming off screens and handoffs, then when teams put two on the ball, like if, and when that happens, you know, if it's Mark Williams or Richard setting a screen, like those guys diving or PJ popping or, you know, Hayward trying to like slip into a pocket of space, just like the stuff that you can do in those situations with him at that height um, and that vision is, 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 uh, is pretty interesting. So yeah, he's been great. Uh, he's also, this was the second night in the row. The rotation so far has been start LaMelo, Terry mm -hmm. Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ, Mark Williams, and then at the six-minute mark of the first quarter, they bring LaMelo off two nights in a row, or not two, two games in a row, and Miller's been the first sub. And so he gets to come in and play with the starters, and then they bring LaMelo back in, and he was playing with, you know, four bench guys with, like, you know, two, three minutes left to go in the first quarter tonight. I would have to double-check the numbers. My guess is those lineups have probably not gone great for the Hornets so far this season uh just looking through a couple uh, of comments here there's been a few people chiming in the let's see look around Noah Noah Clark says y'all were too hard on him during the pre-draft process talking about Miller I know you like Scoob but this was the right decision at least so far like that might be true like uh again I stand by my evaluation of both those guys and I was not like out on Miller as a prospect but um, you know, I do. We, we won't know for three years. You know, right, I mean, that's, right. That's, 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 exa that's exactly the, the, and, the real and, reality of it. And like, just to like peel, like, just to like let everyone into the process. Like, if I'm wrong, that's great. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's that, that's really like if, if that's wrong. If I'm wrong, then that's that's like a great thing for the Hornets. And yeah, I want both those guys to do well, like Scoot and and Brandon Miller. Um, so I'm pulling for them. And again, if I'm wrong, then that's like, you know, I'll have to sort of, you know, something to file away for the mm -hmm. way I like scout prospects. And, and again, would be a good thing uh, for Charlotte. 
you know, we probably were pretty tough on him. I thought my criticism of him was was fair, but yeah, part of it was I just really, really liked Scoot. That, I think that was part of it too. Uh, Regulator says Miller just looks like he belongs on the court. It's true. Yeah. Matt Strand totally says true. Miller is currently the only real scoring threat off the bench. Also, Mason, Mason true. also true. Yeah, Mason McGowan says I think he's talking about Miller here. He says if he can develop a solid handle for self creation, he could be a Tatum esque player. That would include the issues finishing at the rim too. <laughs> so, but yes, there's I think there's something to be said for that. Um, that is like you know a a best case scenario, right? In terms of like I think I think uh, uh, outcomes for Miller, right? So maybe not this, impossible. Uh, just but... to the to the uh, no scoring off the bench comment. I mean, it's very true right now, and part of it is because you know no Cody Martin, no Miles Bridges, and to a much lesser degree, but Bryce McGowan's is was injured and is is healthy now, so maybe. Uh, you know, may, maybe maybe uh, McGowan's gives you a little bit more playmaking juice off the bench. It'll be interesting to see if he if Clifford elects to to keep going with Maladon or if he tries McGowan's here or there. I mean, this is this is very much uh, you know Hornets in the weed stuff, but that's that's yeah. who our listeners are. So <laughs> yeah, well, and I would say too, uh, seeing Mason McGowan's name pop up uh, does uh, remind me uh, Bryce McGowan, uh, who missed Game One, um, was available to play tonight if so and also if it, if this was mentioned at some point in the offseason like before the season i was not aware that he had worked out with um with gordon hayward this offseason like 5 yeah, 30 cool. a.m workouts i thought that was kind of cool so i'm excited to see some bryce mcgowan's i hope he's able to get on the court for them soon ghost jay in the comments brings up the fact that you guys keep bringing up scoop we have miller is the issue support our players and move on from scoot talk you're probably right honestly like at some point and i promise like not just to the listeners here but like to my co-host uh at some point i will hopefully uh, mellow out on some of the sort of like scoot and brandon miller comparisons but um for right now, it's still just pretty fresh. Like the draft was four months ago, but I, I will try to make a point of like dialing it back. Though I do think those guys um, are going to be, you know, I think they're going to be compared to one another for for a long time. But like, I am definitely like polling for Brandon Miller to be like a, an All Star playing for the Hornets. Like, I promise you that. I'd much rather, you know, I'd rather be wrong about the you know my evaluation. You know what I mean? So, anyways. Last thing here I do want to touch on, because we, we need to wrap this up, um, was just the Hornets' defense tonight uh, against, you know, not obviously not a very good Detroit offense, but they allow just uh, 0.86 points per possession uh, in terms of uh, Detroit's half-court offensive efficiency. It's not bad. It was the, the offensive rebounds and putbacks that really did them in Detroit with a 32% um, offensive rebound rate in this game. They scored a decent amount on second-chance opportunities I think Williams, just last thing, I'll throw this out there. I think they like Williams being in foul trouble, he was not able to sort of like pack his usual punch playing drop coverage. I thought at times before the foul trouble came on, he was like doing nice stuff at the rim. He blocked a couple of shots and was doing a nice job sort of just closing down um, the paint. I thought it was interesting at times, both when Charlotte was having to play with Thor and PJ at the 4-5 and then even later in the second half when they were trying to like speed up Detroit a little bit where they were, um, if not like outright, you know, blitzing, they were like, you know, putting two on the ball and, and like trying to sort of like heat up Kate Cunningham a little bit. And I thought that was an interesting move to do against Detroit. 
Um, they don't really have a ton of shooting on the backside to like stretch you out and, and really like make you have to cover a ton of ground. But in those situations, Charlotte then becomes really, really small. And those backside defensive rotations, if it's Richards or Williams that are the ones that are trying to like, you know, uh, trap or blitz K 25 feet from the hoop. And then all of a sudden PJ is your only source of length on the backside. And, and I do think uh, the Pistons were able to sort of like in those situations, just like play murder ball and either like get a shot up and then try to get on the glass or just like get it to Stewart or Duran or Bagley in the paint and let those guys just like play over the top a little bit. So it was interesting. I mean, that, that sort of felt like it was more necessity for them. But it was something Charlotte had to do tonight defensively that was different. Um, they threw some different looks at Trey Young in, in against Atlanta the other opening night, but it was not nearly sort they, they mixed it up more tonight. Um, and again, I think that was sort of out of necessity, but just a thing that caught my eye uh, during this game. All right, uh, Lee, I think it is about time for us to wrap up. Do you have anything else you'd like to add here? Hey, you know, a uh, an impressive win on opening night versus Atlanta and a disappointing, frustrating loss in the in game two at home against Detroit. Hornets basketball is back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> it really is. And Noah Clark asking issues about William. Do we have any concerns with Mark dealing with physicality? Like, going back to his time at Duke, he does need to get stronger in his lower body. Like, you can't – Mark does get, you know – strong like stronger guys with lower bodies can like muscle him a little bit so that is but that's something we knew about and like i think he will get stronger he certainly has the frame to to add more muscle but but he's always gonna like part of his deal is like you know he's he's sort of like an above the rim center but yeah i i do think it's it's something to monitor i don't i'm not like overly concerned about it really appreciate uh y'all for for chiming in listening into the comments i know this was uh not a super fun game to watch, nor maybe one uh, to to debrief, but happy lead to talk with some hoops with you after the game here. And again, thank you to anyone else uh, who chimed in. Please, if you haven't done this already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, wherever you get your pods, leave us a review. We really appreciate those. Subscribe to BuzzBeat Plus if you'd like to get access to premium content. Or if you'd like to get podcast a day early, don't forget Richie had us had a, a conversation with Gordon Hayward uh, last week. We've got the audio of that tacked on to our last episode, and also like a write up for that also on the site as well. So go check that out if you haven't already. But let's uh, go ahead and close up shop here tonight. Good talking ball with you guys. Hornets will be back in action on Monday uh, at home again. This time they will be taking on. The Brooklyn Nets, which is going to be tough. That's that's a really good, talented defensive team that's going to give the Hornets issues. So uh, excited to tune in, but I could see that being uh, an ugly game as well. Cool. That said, uh, until next time, go Hornets. We're out of here.